Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. We got a news report this week from Bishop Moses Sona, who, whose church, as you know, is Grace Bible Church in Soweto. And Bishop Moses has been to Scotland, ministered in our church before, and there's some terrible stuff happening in Southern Africa right now. And I was going to try and play the clip, but it was on LinkedIn, and I didn't know how to play it. So I'm going to read what, what basically what he was saying about widespread rioting, looting, total destruction. Um, the town that I used to live in, in KwaZulu-Natal, a town called Mpangeni, has virtually been razed to the ground. It's, it is, there's burning buildings everywhere. The streets look like a war zone. And um, it's a terrible situation because of the polit- arising from the political incarceration of the, pr- the former president of the country. But Bishop Moser was encouraging the people of his nation, and he has a lot of people that listen to him, to not subscribe to the wrong spirit. Don't subscribe to the wrong spirit. And he made an appeal for people who will build. Things are being torn down. And we have to remember this in the context of our own country. We can learn a lot from this. So he appeals to them, build, be builders, add value, be people who add something instead of taking something away. Be people who will raise your voice in the community. Amen? Be a builder. And it's something that Pastor Bernie's fond of speaking about all the time, be a builder. It's one of his favorite sermons is to be a wise master builder, be a builder. And so he he appealed to people to join in prayer with them, praying for South Africa. And, And would you pray for South Africa as well this week? And he said something, this was a statement that really stuck with me. He said, be the person who remembers tomorrow, because if we tear down our country, we will not have a good tomorrow. There's a lot of wisdom in that, you know. Be the person who remembers tomorrow, because if we tear things down, we will not have a good tomorrow. Our kids won't have a good tomorrow. Amen? And so, we are praying that things will, will change there. It's a small minority of people that are causing absolute carnage. Um, but we know that that's, there's nothing new in that. Amen? So we thank, thank God that through prayer, things will be birthed. Amen? You know, and that's the thing. We can, there can be preachers and pastors and everywhere, all over the land, and our preaching may inspire or, 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 or teach or whatever, but everything is birthed in prayer, not through preaching. You know, I mean, everything is birthed in prayer. So we must be a church who continues to pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So, amen. The message this morning is called Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. The author and finisher of our faith. And, but before that, I just want to um, give a shout out to all of the people that walked yesterday, those, those people who walk up in Dune Hills, the bridge hikers. It was a hot day, and um, we, uh, we, we made it. We got around our circuit, 
And, um, but one thing we noticed in this week was that there was no bottled water. You couldn't, you struggle to get, has anyone found that? You can't get bottled water or fizzy water and stuff. It's like almost like the shelves are running bare. And so Linda and I were talking about it. I'm like, well, what about the tap water, honey? You know, what about tap water? Why don't we buy one of those things that you put water in and it filters the water and you get pure water? And so I, I says, let me see that bottle this morning. And it says there, bottled at source. I thought, oh, I wonder if that's just a spigot somewhere in a wee industrial, <laughs> set, industrial unit, bottled at source in Glenfinchie or wherever, somewhere in the Highlands. You know, it's like, wh what is this bottled at source, you know? And so um, I'm like, you know, we've got water in our taps, yet we are going for this water, this bottled water, and if you buy, you know, I went to Morrison's and there was only Perrier water <laughs> and Evian, and then I found out that if you spell Evian backwards, it spells naive, so if you, sp <laughs> if you spend two bucks fifty on a bottle of water, you're quite naive. I thought, you know what, I'm getting closer to this, we'll get water out the tap, you know, and the other thing is as well, we, 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 you know, let's value these things because how many times if, if, if you're the one who has 50 half-finished uh, bottles of bottled water in your car, you know, why do we never finish the water that's in our bottled water? Actually, I'm putting that out there this morning because I can sometimes come into church on a Monday morning and there's one sip has been taken out of a bottle of water. I'm like, where, who did this? So we finish, we finish the water. But anyway, um, so bottled water is in um, sh short supply at the moment, but we're not worried about that because Jesus has got us. Amen. He is, he's, the, he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and he's going to make sure we don't run out of water. Amen. You know, we, my, my wife likes to watch Wimbledon on the TV, and we were watching Wimbledon recently, and we heard one of the commentators talking about a particular psychological aspect of the game. And maybe you, some of you heard this particular guy saying this. So we kind of have seen that once players establish a lead, they've maybe got a set and a couple of games in hand or something. You know, they sort of move into a period of like, like a lull, like diminished performance. And the intensity level drops off. And... The commentator said something along the lines, yeah, well, he's got a cushion now. He has this cushion, so he kind of backs off a wee bit. And I thought, how strange. When you've got a lead, a commanding lead, that you would, you know, take it easy for some reason. Because, you know, the scoreboard looks like, oh, you know what? It's going to be difficult for him to catch up. But often the underdog rallies around at the last minute and brings an intense pressure to the contest out of nowhere. And I think sometimes you look at the, this cushion and you think, you know, the bigger the cushion, the more comfortable I'll get. But the victory doesn't look as sure once that your adversary, your opponent, rises up and comes back into the game, does it? And you're left thinking, I should have done more while I had the opportunity. While I had the upper hand, I should have kept should have kept on going, amen? And the intensity and desire that we have in life has to be kept until the end, 
Amen? Because sometimes, you know, you've heard people say, oh, do you know what? He was gifted that victory, or he was given it. Well, I, I, I think sometimes it's almost a gift, and you don't gift your enemy the victory. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> the, it's, it's a gift. They haven't really earned the victory by playing you at your full strength because you have gone into this lull, this diminished performance for some reason, thinking, I've got a bit of a cushion here. I can just relax and freewheel for a wee while. And the, the Word says our enemy, the devil, uh, goes about, um, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. And he never gives that pursuit up. He's always doing it. And so we have to really always keep our, be aware and keep the intensity up. Amen? And so, you know, we're, we're in times right now where we can't reduce our effort. We have to keep our effort going. And so would you go in your word to Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 1? Hebrews 12, verse 1. And it says there, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. We sang that song this morning, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. We haven't sung that song for a long, long time. You know what? When that verse talks about looking unto Jesus. It means fixing our eyes on Jesus, looking continually at him, not looking at Jesus one time and then turning away, and I'll, I'll come back to you later. I'm going to come, you know, just a glance and then turn away. It means fixing our eyes upon him. In other words, we actually turn our, our gaze and our eyes away from other things, and we turn them and we fix and focus them on Jesus. How many of you have experienced what I've experienced is that our gaze is on Jesus for a short time and then it goes to other things? And he says, no, keep on looking, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So he's the author of our faith. He's the originator. He is the, um, he is the beginning of our faith. He's the 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 pioneer of our faith. Do you think Jesus had to use faith when he was on this earth? Yeah. Yes, he did. So he's the author and the pioneer of our faith. And then, he, thank God, he's also the finisher of it. He, he's the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who brings the process to a finish. He brings it to a conclusion. He brings it to an end. And I was thinking about this, and I thought, can you imagine an author publishing a book that leaves the reader staring at blank pages halfway through the book. You ever thought of that? You know, it's like, what's going on here? Imagine a, imagine a book about your life in the context of your faith, your, your walk with, the, with Christ. What would it look like if you gave it to me and said, there you go, David, do you ever read of that? I'll be like, great stuff. Reading, this is good. Oh, there's a few pages missing here. Uh, oh, and oh, there we go, we're back. Oh, a few pages. Oh, then it stops. And, 
you probably get fed up, you know, if you were reading a book like that, because there's no continuity. It's like, what's this guy doing, you know? There's nothing consistent. It's all over the place. And I think that sometimes our life can be like that, and we need Jesus to sustain us so that there's something written there every day. There's always something. There's a new page, a new chapter. New things are unfolding in faith all the time. Because in between Jesus being the author and the finisher of our faith, what happens in the time in between? He is the only one that can sustain us in our faith. Amen? In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So thank God what he, what he started, he's going to finish. Amen? Is, is there, are there any unfinished um, projects in here today? I, I'm unfinished. Yeah, it's like, who, who painted him? <laughs> oh, it's like definitely very unfinished. But he's our sustainer in between this time. And in Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 13, it says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So you were sealed, okay? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Are you a purchased possession? We've been bought. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit seals our lives. Amen. So here's Jesus, and he begins our faith. And then he's the captain of our faith. Amen. If we don't mutiny, all right, he's the captain of our faith, and he brings us home. It's just a bit like, you know, a ship's skipper. When you get on the boat, you want the guy who's you know, the cat, you want him to get you back into safe harbor, don't you? And it's like, he's the captain of our faith. He captains us, right? Um, earthen vessels, clay vessels, easy broken. But he loves putting this back together again, amen? Expertly, he cares for us, puts us back together. But he's, he captains our faith. And he's the one who give, gives us the faith. He gave us the faith in the first place because you know what? It's without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can have every, you can have all the intellect and the logic in the world, but without faith, you cannot please God. So it's, and faith is, is well, wow, what is faith? And so we've been doing foundations of faith for a few weeks. So hopefully now you know a bit more about faith, but he gives us the ability not only to receive faith, but to walk in faith. Have we accepted that yet? Have we accepted that? We're not in this alone, all right? God is faithful. He honors His Word. Jesus walks with us. But it's a bit like the, the farmer with the, the harvest. Don't be entangled with the things of this life, you know? And I, I love the parable where Jesus goes to clear out the temple. He, and it's like the day Jesus got angry, and he goes in there and he's saying, you've turned this sacred place, this holy place, as different translations say different things, into a den of thieves. 
money, the money changes were there. But basically, this is not the purpose. This is my house. It's, it's a house of prayer. It's a house of worship. It's a house where the sick and the needy can come. It's a house where the broken can come. And here you are. You're getting entangled up with the commercial side of, let's say, Christianity. You're getting tangled up with the commercial side of life. He says, don't get entangled with all, with all those things because when we do, it draws our eyes off of the author and finisher of our faith and it draws it onto temporary things. Amen? It's like, well, how do, how, do I live, how do I live my life of faith effectively every day? We go and look at how Jesus did it. How did Jesus do it? He received what his father told him. Amen? He received what his father told him, what his father's will was, and then he perfectly obeyed it. And it's only two things. Receive it and obey it. That's all it actually takes. Amen? You know, I know. Easy for you to say. <laughs> easy for you to say. But receive it and obey it. That's really, that's really it. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. That's it. He was not entangled with anything else. He says, I'm, 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 I'm on course here. I must be about my father's business. But his faith is his faith. His faith. His faith was tried. Hallelujah. The first one in the wilderness. What did, what did Satan say to Jesus in the wilderness? If. Began, the question began with if. If you are the son of God. And we're like, okay, what is, what is going on here? He's trying to sow a massive seed of doubt there, isn't he? If you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, does, do you find that coming against you sometimes? If, you know, if you are who you say you are, walking by faith and doing this and you know, answering the call, if you are who you say, say you are, but how did Jesus respond? He said, it is written. It is written. And that's, you know, we have to have that, 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 that like same faith that says, if it's written in here, I can believe it. I can walk on it. I can walk on it. Amen? So it's just that it is written. That's the sword of the Spirit. Amen? That, that's, that's, you know, no matter how, sh how sharp a wit or tongue you think you have, there's something that is sharper. And it's more gracious and it's more gentle in the way it works things out. And it's, it'll, cut, it'll cut the deepest. It's God's word. It's God's word. And, and I don't know all of God's word. I know some of it. The bits I don't know I can go and read. I can retell. Re I can represent them. But this is it. This is what we need. Amen. He says, I can't do anything of myself because the word which I hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And he who sent me is with me, just the way as Jesus is with you right now. Amen. And I live by the Father. I, I walk and live and breathe and I have my being in the Father. And that was the language of faith that Jesus spoke every day. Everything I do, I do in response to my Father God. Amen. And then he, he goes on and he tells us about the faith like a mustard seed. And I, I think we start to see that there in that challenge in the wilderness. He's like, do you know what? 
you can bring all the power that you have and my mustard seed of faith will still defeat you. The devil can bring, unleash the world, the circumstances, whatever it is, the forces that bring themselves to bear on your life can unleash themselves with everything. But if you have faith as a mustard seed, there is more power in that to deliver you, to keep you free than anything else. Amen? Can I get an amen in this quiet church this morning? Never had to say that before. Oh, there we go. The, the, word, the word has... No, it hasn't. Lewis, would you mind? Thank you. Thank you very much. But all things are possible with him. Amen? Mark 9.23 tells us, thanks, Lewis, that if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Amen? And so we've learned that belief is not something that's of... Faith is not something of the head. It's not something we can mentally manufacture or drum up. It's of the heart. Faith is always of the heart. And so, has anyone ever heard of Dr. Charles Price? Dr. Charles Price, he wrote, I'm recommending, this is a recommendation. You'll find it in PDF form on the internet. He wrote a book called The Real Faith. And I'm going to read an excerpt from that this morning, but I'd find that and read it. It will minister to you. And he spoke to a lot of people in the area of faith, and he discovered, I believe, why people are healed or not healed, why they are delivered or not delivered. And just by observing people's character, their response to the Word, their response to the things of God, all of this. And the one guy that he asked, he said, he said, um, are you healed? He says, yeah, I'm healed. And the thing is, he could tell that the man had been healed. He says, well, how do you know that you've been healed? He says, I have peace in my soul, total peace, a stillness in my soul. I'm conscious, conscious of the presence of God. And all I need to do is to obey him and the anointing is on my life. That was all. That was, that was his description. And that was just one of them. There was no struggle involved for years or months. It was just an acceptance, the key of acceptance. Amen? So, if he is the author and finisher of our faith, he was the author and finisher of, his, of not only his faith, but that of Paul, all of the generals of faith in, in Hebrews, in the roll call of faith. He's the author and finisher of our faith too. It all begins and ends with him. Amen? And if any of you ever read that book by Fred Price, Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption, it's a great book explaining how we can get faith mixed up sometimes. But we have to understand that everything starts in him and ends in him. Faith comes first. Amen? Faith comes first. Faith has to come, come first in our lives. Amen? We'll not get it from anywhere else apart from the author and finisher of it, and it's yours this morning. Amen? And sometimes we look or we hear stories of faith, and we roll our sleeves up, and we want to get stuck in and prove that we have faith. Sometimes we're already on a hiding to nothing when we want to prove that we have faith. Amen? Have you ever done that yourself? You know, you, 
you, you, you, you've done all this the stuff that you think you know to do or that you know to do, and then your prayer is unanswered or the power doesn't seem to move or deliverance doesn't seem to come. Amen? And we thought, well, we, I thought I had faith. I thought I had faith. We have to realize that God gave us faith, the gift of faith, and we go from faith to faith and we build that up level to level. And God provides faith for each new level and we roll our sleeves up and I'm going to prove that I have faith. He says, trust me every day in the small things. Start there. Start there. But, you know, if he says a seed, a mustard seed can move a mountain, we're rolling our sleeves up going to the mountain. Sure. But have you um, the imparted faith for that? Amen? So, faith without works is dead, right? But the faith comes first. The act comes from the faith we have, rather than the faith from the act. When we start to put the act first, we get into presumption that God is going to honor what we've set up, our divine, divine setup. <laughs> so we've had, you know, it's like we'll set this up just right and God will honor that. No, the faith comes first, then you move. Amen. Then the act comes next, doesn't it? Amen. And so we don't want to step over the line into presumption. So I want to read this little um, excerpt here, just as we're, as we're just about to close soon. And it's about Charles Dr. Price going to minister in Northern America and coming across two women that were bound in wheelchairs. All right. So you ready? In Victoria, B.C., British Columbia, I suppose that is, some years ago, I was entering the Metro Metropolitan Methodist Church in company with a few ministers. At the door of the edifice, we saw a kindly old lady being taken out of a truck in a wheelchair. Get a picture of this in your mind. Big truck. Oh, this is old days, eh? 1940s, all right? With it in a wheelchair. I raised my hat and gave her a God bless you. Tears welled up in her eyes as she replied, he has been a blessing to me, Dr. Price. He is so kind and gracious and I can feel his presence here right now. Dr. Price says, have you come for healing? She says, yes, I have. And praise his name, I know the waters are troubled. Just then, the truck driver leans over and says, shall I come back, lady, <laughs> to take you home after the service? So she traveled many good miles, and the only way to get her home in a wheelchair was with the same truck. For the chair was too large, large for an automobile. She hesitated. Then a light came over her face as she replied, no, I'm not going to need a truck. I will leave my wheelchair behind and I'll go home on the train. The driver scratched his bewildered head and grinned at what he thought was a foolish woman. Away he drove and she did not need him. She went to her house rejoicing that day on the train. I told that story in a meeting I conducted in the Middle West. The next day, a lady sent a message that she would like to see me for a moment in her cottage. I found her lying on a couch 
with a group of people around her who were singing a hymn. She looked up at me and said, Brother Price, I have sent the wheelchair home. She waited for a shout from me, but none came. Instantly, my heart fell. There was no faith, and I knew it. She discerned that I was not enthusiastic about her act, so she turned away from me and said, if God can do it for one woman, he can do it for another. When I left the building that night, she was again the center of a group who were insisting, listen to this, she was the center of a group who were insisting that she rise and walk. But she went away sorrowful. If the Lord was talking about her, the Lord would have said, there is one thing that you lack. The two acts were just the same. Two wheelchairs were sent home. In one case, it was faith, and in the other case, it was presumption. In New Testament faith, the act can be born of faith, but faith cannot be born of the act. The act can come from faith, but the faith must come first from God. This, then, is the better way of Paul's epistle to the Hebrews. Amen. Have you not stood in amazement before the unfolding benevolence and generosity of the Lord? Do you not know that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? Have you a need? That's a question today. Have you a need? Take it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Have you any problems? Lay it at the foot of the cross. Begin to trust him, and as you give him your confidence and trust, you will find his faith will become operative in your life. Amen? So Jesus is like the author and finisher of our faith. But in between that, we have a faith walk we have to walk, realizing all of these things. Sometimes people will be around you. You can have a throng of people around you, praying for you, interceding for you, but the faith must be in your heart and it must come from God. My faith can't save anyone. Our corporate faith cannot save the, someone that does not want to be saved. The faith has to come from God. Amen? And he gives the gift of faith. He gives the gift of faith to us, even to the unbeliever, the gift of faith to enable salvation to happen. Amen? And so he says, okay, start with me and I'll finish. And we think, well, that's tough. But he is going to be there to help you finish. And it was just like when Simon Peter said to Jesus at the time when he denied Jesus. He, he says to Simon Peter, um, Satan is going to sift you. And what did Jesus say? But I've prayed for you so that your faith will not fail. Jesus says, I'm praying for you, Peter, so that your faith will not fail. You're going, to be, you're going to be put through an incredible tribulation and trial, but I'm, who's praying for him? Jesus is interceding for Simon, Simon Peter, amen? And so when you look at the disciples, what's the, what was the difference between Judas and, and Peter? Well, Peter's faith never failed until the end. There was still one cord connecting him to his master, whereas Judas had abandoned that. Amen? 
And so in our darkest hour, Jesus says, I'm praying for you so that you will not lose your faith. Don't let your faith waver. Never give up. Amen? Never give up. Keep on praying. It's like George Mueller who opened the orphanages in Ashley Downs in Bristol. He never gave up. He says, the problem with most Christians is that they don't persevere. They get a cushion. The cushion is there. You have to keep the intensity up. We have to keep the intensity up. We have to keep praying for our nation. We have to keep praying for one another. Amen. We have to do that. And we have to trust God. And when we need something, this was the incredible thing. When we need something, who do we go to for the need to be met? If I need a thousand pounds, I can either go to Lewis and say, cough up, young man. Or I can go to the man I know that gave Lewis a thousand pounds. <laughs> he's the giver. I mean, he's the provider. So, and that George Mueller did this. Instead of going, you know, he's like, Jesus is going to move on someone's life and the, 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 the money I need to build this orphanage is going to be there. So the money was already, that was already being taken care of. Amen? So we don't look to each other, to others. We look to the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.